Should we expect anything different from a high-powered passing attack after a new free agent signing this offseason? Is Javante Williams this year's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, beg your pardon, Elaire, and what second-tier rookie rusher is being undervalued at this point in FFPC Dynasty drafts? Plus, three-time FFPC Dynasty champ Tony Kuchar will join us to help analyze the 2021 NFL rookie class from top to bottom, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your NFL Draft preview episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Thank you so much, Rob, and thank you to the Quiet Hollers. Remember to check out all their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations to all of you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs listening to the show this evening or streaming it, downloading it prior to, during, or even after the NFL Draft this year. Welcome in. It's the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, and it is, of course, presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, as always, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. And Farrell, we welcome you in tonight on the eve of the NFL Draft. I'm going to pose this question to you right away. Trevor Lawrence seems like he's going to the Jags. Zach Wilson sounds like he's going to the Jets. Does the draft for you start at three, or do you already know who the Niners are taking? I thought I did. I listened to some interviews <laughs> today, and if you listen to enough of anything, you're going to start wondering uh, about all your, you know, second guessing everything. But I think the, the Niners are. Uh, I think the Niners are sticking with Jones, and I think they can't necessarily lose by going another direction at that quarterback. But, you know, Charlie Casserly is is my favorite analyst, and I've known him a long time. You know, when Charlie talks, everybody in this house has to be quiet. And he said something, and I think for fantasy players, this is a great way to understand the, the dichotomy of quarterback styles that exist. Are you going to build around your quarterback are you going to play with the quarterback that the offense is built around? Or are you going to play through your quarterback? And I think the the answer to, that the Niners will come with is going to be obviously the latter uh, with Jones. And I think that's how quick they have an offense that is put together, is well-formed, and they think he can make quick decisions and manage the ball and get the uh, ball to his receivers that are in an offensive uh both rushing and passing attack that works very, very well. So that's why I think it's Jones. The speculation will indeed end less than 24 hours from now. We will know who the Niners take at three, and uh, we can't wait for it. we got to get it out of the way because I can't talk about it anymore except for this next hour here on the show. Coming up tonight, (laughs) we're going to try to get to all the NFL draft news to get you prepared as possible to watch this weekend's NFL draft from not only a dynasty fantasy football perspective but a high-stakes fantasy football perspective as well and our guest tonight Tony Kuchar has won three FFPC high stakes dynasty leagues already he's going to talk about what he thinks about this year's newest rookie draft picks as well Uh, shout out to the chat room right now we have KFFSC royalty in here tonight Farrell as the Bourbon City Ballers themselves it is Kevin Williamson he's hanging out with us listening to the show tonight always appreciate him Um, feel uh, free to post any questions you all might have in there Uh, The show is at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. The Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship is at KFFSC on Twitter, but remember to check it out, KFFSC.com. 
Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where to get a hold of us there. And 347-426-3682 is the phone number if you want to chime in and give us a buzz tonight. 347-GAME-OVA. Football at gmail.com is the email box uh, that is being monitored by our mutual friend and producer, Rob, and our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce. We'll try to get to all the emails, the tweets, the questions coming up in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. I want to remind everybody, the Dynasty startups for the FFPC are paused right now. However, fresh one startup. You saw the FFPC email that went out today, May 4th. We have about 300 Dynasty startups uh, that you can sign up for just on Tuesday, May 4th alone. Plenty of action for you there. Remember, the Football Guys Players Championship will kick off Sunday, the day after the NFL draft ends. Everybody is going to start their march towards that $500,000 grand prize, $100,000 to second place, and the early bird is live. Make sure you're getting your free $35 team credit on that. Bestball drafts open, including the $5 Cinco de Bestball options at myffpc.com. And save $100 on your first team before May 31st if you're playing in the FFPC main event. And don't forget, $400 off each additional team. Not only is the Run to Daylight competition still going on at KFFSC.com, the Checkered Flag competition is open live for signups at KFFSC.com. i got to defend the belt in that. Can't wait. i got to pick my date and figure out when I'm going to do that. Draftmasters, also available at KFFSC.com as well. Football Guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sports, Edge, and Rob, all responsible for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Let's get to it. The Athletics' Jeff Zrebic, uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that name right, who covers mm-hmm. the Ravens for the Athletic, uh, states that uh, Baltimore has actually cooled on Terrace Marshall, the LSU receiver, due to injury concerns. Now, I don't want to get into the uh, whole Terrace Marshall thing here because we did last week, Farrell. We talked about the foot issue, the problems he had in high school. He had a, a torn ACL in high school, and he could – I mean, we'll find out how the NFL views him if he tumbles, you know, deep into the mid-second round or even the late second round, we'll know that these injuries are, are serious. However, Zrebic in that same report said that Baltimore could pivot. Remember, they made the trade with Kansas City, so they have those two first-round picks at the end of the round. They could turn to Purdue's Rondell Moore or the other Moore, Elijah Moore, from Ole Miss if they really want to use at least one of those picks on wideout. They pick 27 and 31st. Um, you, you think about Rondale Moore, only played in three games last year at Purdue, but almost averaged a dozen catches uh, in those games. And certainly you'd like to think he has more talent than Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown has as the Ravens' number one receiver right now. But it's the Ravens. You know they're not going to throw a lot, Farrell. Is there one of these players that you think would fit better um, for Baltimore if this Rebic report is to be believed? Is it Elijah Moore or is it Rondale Moore that would excel for fantasy owners if the Ravens draft them there? Before answering that question, Bucky, I must confirm that Zebrick obviously listened to our show last week because he uh, yes he did. You no know, we, we cooled on him first. We we were the first cooler on Marshall, and uh, so you know we started that run. Hey, uh, this is an easy one. Uh, first of all, should they draft a first round receiver? And I think they should. They cannot they being the Baltimore Ravens, they cannot entertain free agent wide receivers and bring them in there and say, look, we'd like you to come here. We'd like to, we're going to give you a decent contract, but we'd like you to catch 60 passes. That'll be a big deal for us. And we really want you to block and we want you to block successfully. You know, we just, we just don't want you to, we just don't want you to go through a typical wide receiver block. We want you to come out and look at our film with Willie Sneed and you do exactly what he's been doing. And no wide receiver is going to, you know, they're, they're going to give the general manager there the side eye, and they're going to move on to somewhere else. So, yes, they need to draft one of these guys. Which one did they draft? You can get a whole list of receivers, and the more you want is Rondell uh, against any receiver here. Rondell's strength, physical core strength, is fantastic in this system. Now, I if he goes to this team, I'm going to be somewhat disappointed because I would like to see him play more in space, more than a typical passing attack, uh, but he could be the missing piece that propels this offense, that frees up the tight end, that gives this uh, their threat from all over the field, causing chaoses, chaos uh, for the defenses. It, it it could be a wonderful player for the Baltimore Ravens. So, in uh, looking into that crystal ball, I, I say the Ravens would be. Uh, would be very astute to make that Rondell Moore choice. 
FFPC Dynasty startup owners have been drafting Rondale Moore as the number 13 rookie off the board right now. And, and I know that it's kind of polarizing the injury thing because I've heard a lot of people talk, smart people too, on both sides of this issue, talk about they're very concerned because he missed so much time at Purdue. I've also heard other people mm-hmm. say, I'm not concerned with that. The injuries are unrelated. He's going to be fine in the NFL. Farrell, as far as when, when you're drafting, as he is, a late first, early second round rookie pick as of right now in dynasty drafts, do you kind of throw those injuries things, uh, those injury aspects a little bit out the window? Because once the top 10 players are sort of off the board in rookie drafts, aren't you sort of drafting for the upside and not worrying about the red flags as much? And that's exactly right. Every player in the NFL is an injury risk. And you, you are investing in the uh, training room. Uh, of the NFL and, and keeping players healthy and keeping players ready to play. And that's uh, throughout the entire league is very, very good at it. And so the aspect of being injury prone is more of a, uh, a question of bad luck. Now, if a player is injured and is rushed back to the field, that's a big, big problem. But that's a historical aspect of the NFL right now. One of our biggest focuses in the league is about player safety. They're trying to keep players off the field when they're not physically prepared to play. That's not something that happens in college ball. It might be why you see players that are that uh, are quick to rush back and play uh, that can't seem to get over their injuries. I don't know if that's the case here, but you don't see that as much in the NFL. Very true. We've seen plenty of players uh, have uh, some injury-riddled careers in college, and they shook that uh, moniker off pretty early in their NFL careers and had long careers. <clears throat> Adrian Peterson, just one of those. Um, the Bucks <laughs> have signed Antonio Brown, a one-year $3.1 million deal, according to Ian Rappaport on Twitter. $3.1 million, uh, I believe, is the guarantee. He can make up to $6.25 million. He turns 33 years old in July. Didn't get much interest uh, from any other team, but you know Tom Brady loves him, and he gets Antonio Brown back. The lawsuit, um, the, the civil lawsuit that was against him, was settled uh, last week. Brown caught 45 balls for 483 yards and four touchdowns last year. He's going to be behind Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in the pecking order in Tampa. Evans had a 20% target share last year. Godwin had 19%, and Antonio Brown had 16%. That was when all three of them played together, which was a 10-game sample size. Um, you look at Antonio Brown here going forward, Farrell. I know they still have Scotty Miller. They still have Tyler Johnson. Do you expect, a, you know, may, maybe not the heights that Tom Brady reached with this passing attack with Gronkowski and Brayton and everybody um, in, in 2020? Remember, O.J. Howard's coming back, too, to, to this offense in 2021. Do so you maybe not expect maybe the heights they got, but very similar outputs for not only Brown, Evans, and, God, but, uh, Evans and Godwin as well? Still very much an Evans and Godwin man. I talked to more than one player from our KFFSC and guys that play in the FFPC too. Um, this player is 33 years old, so if you're going to pick on a player, if you're just going to say uh, somebody's going to have less production, you would tend to think it would be a wide receiver who's 33 years old. But let's look at it this way. Tom Brady threw 610 passes last year. He threw more in the second half of the year than he did the first half, and it began to work. And this team knows what it wants to do. They've been very, very successful doing it. There's enough passes here uh, for the ball to go to everyone and everyone to be successful. Godwin's stats, if you look at them, they were very, very impressive. And he missed four games last year and a better part of the fifth one. So I'm not concerned about lack of passing production. Antonio Brown, I don't expect him to hit those numbers like he did last year, but I could be wrong there, and it still would not shake my belief in these uh, other targets and other fantasy producers on the Bucks lineup. Tony Kuchar is hanging out in the green room. We will have him on momentarily. He and his, uh, and his three high-stakes FFPC Dynasty titles uh, on board the show in about 120 seconds or so. Before we get to that, I do want to touch on a couple of rookie running back um, uh, topics of conversation within the last 24 mm-hmm. hours here, Farrell. Ian Rappaport um, has been a busy man from the NFL Network. He said that most people he has spoken with believe that the Steelers will take Najee Harris with the number 24 pick in the, uh, in the NFL draft. Uh, Pittsburgh, if you remember, their, their ground game last year, led by James Conner, Anthony McFarland, Benny Snell uh, et al., was not great. 82.5 rushing yards per game. Uh, that was last in the league, and it wasn't close. Mm. James Conner eventually signed with the Arizona Cardinals. 
there is really nobody there to replace him at this point. Technically, it's Benny Snell. Uh, but the offensive line was also not good last year, and they could really help uh, the Steelers' offensive line can uh, uh, Colbert through the, uh, through the draft um, by addressing some of the big uglies up front. But it sounds like Harris is going to be the guy at 24. Farrell, if that is indeed the case, if Harris goes number one, or I beg your pardon, number 24 to the Steelers, and, and let's, for the purposes of this conversation, let's assume Jamar Chase goes to the Bengals, which has been highly reported by a lot of pundits out there. Um, who would you take at the 101? Would it be Jamar Chase for the Bengals, or would it be Najee Harris for the Steelers? Well, I'm going to take Najee Harris all day long as a Pittsburgh Steeler. And anyone that's a Steeler fan, Balky, will tell you that the draft begins at pick 24. And they, they need to pick this player because I would not want to explain, even to a, a no ownership group, um, such as what we have in, in, in Pittsburgh, the kind of people that run that team or, or the, you know, it's the best ownership group in football. But I would not want to explain to them that we passed on Najee Harris, realizing that who comes after Cleveland, Baltimore, Buffalo, Kansas City, all the teams you got to beat. And God forbid that this player would still be on the board when the Tampa Bay Bucks choose at 32. Oh, I can't even imagine. I mean, I think the way that Tampa's been acquiring running backs uh, this offseason so far, Farrell, they're probably going to draft three of them at some point this this weekend and just add, I mean, just to have the stable going. Um, I mean, they already have, obviously, Fernet, Bernard, Jones, Vaughn. They got everybody down there. Um, We'll see what happens with that. Final thing I want to bring up here before, as long as we're talking about rookie running backs, before we get to Tony Kuchar, um, Tom Palacero from the NFL Network said that Javante Williams could be a surprise first-round pick in the NFL draft. And I, I remember this from last year, too. We were all talking about, well, who's the number one uh, running back going to be? Is it going to be Jonathan Taylor? Is it going to be J.K. Dobbins? going to be somebody else? Well, it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire um, going to the Chiefs with the final pick of the first round. Now, Pelissero talked to multiple people, well, a bunch of people, but multiple people told him that he talked to. He, they think Williams is the best running back in the draft. One AFC executive told um, Pelissero that he uh, that they love him and they think he is indeed the best running back. He has 89th percentile agility score and a 71st percentile burst score. Obviously, um, if you need a running back, like the Steelers do at 24, um, Williams was sixth in the nation last year with 1,140 rushing yards, third among running backs with 19 touchdowns as well, 7.3 yards per carry for the North Carolina Tar Heels. And um, that was the highest among all running backs prospects in this year's draft. You got to keep in mind too, Harris did carry the ball much more than Javante Williams. He kind of shared the backfield with Michael Carter in, in North Carolina, but Farrell, I guess, I guess one of the things we got to keep in mind here, it, it's not a foregone conclusion that Travis Etienne or, or Najee Harris goes number one. We could see Javante Williams being a, 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 for the second straight year in a row, um, a surprise pick for the first running back off the board on Thursday. It couldn't. It it wouldn't surprise me, and, and I have. Uh, I think this has been the most early underrated player. You know, people say, "Oh, the draft takes forever. Why don't they do it sooner?" This is why you don't do it sooner. This player has evolved, and uh, he came into a situation probably with a combine. This would have moved a little quicker for him, but he is the hot player, and what makes him hot is something that we don't talk about a lot, Balky, on the show. I don't think you've ever heard me refer to it. It's because it rarely exists in football. It's contact balance. When this player is hit, he doesn't go down, and that's a hard trait to find. Scouts call it slow to the hole, quick through the hole. And so I would say that this resembles uh, Kamara. It would resemble... Uh, Le'Veon Bell, perhaps earlier in in his career. Furthermore, this guy seeks out contact. Now, he's been playing against Duke and Wake Forest on the schedule, and and North Carolina put down their 60 points up against either one of them. There's a film of highlights of him playing against Duke where number 13 hits him, and it looks animated. The kid just bounces off of it. This is a terrific player. He would be a great, great match for any team that wants to that runs an out, outside zone scheme. Uh, they they want to confuse the defense horizontally. Uh, they do that at Chicago. This is where early drafting can get you in trouble because if you have Montgomery on your team and the Bears were then to take this guy, your Montgomery <laughs> futures are in trouble. But uh, <laughs> I really like this player. Great balance, uh, explosiveness, acceleration. He's got all the essential running back skills. We'll ask. 
we'll ask our guest about Dynasty that question because it's even more important about where this guy will go uh, in Dynasty. But uh, you know, Javante Williams, I'm all for him. I wish I had more of him in the in the uh, best ball drafts that I've been doing. Just actually picked him up in a Kentucky draft the other night, Farrell. So as my go. number three running back, very go, excited buddy. about him for Good sure. Job. Just one of the many storylines we will all be following when we watch the NFL draft this weekend and try to make sure our dynasty teams are in the best shape possible. I want to bring on tonight's guest who knows a thing or two about caretaking winning dynasty teams. He actually got started playing uh, fantasy at a young age. He ran back baseball and football leagues through Yahoo um, in 2014. He started playing in the FFPC after he'd been playing in other high-stakes leagues for more than a decade. He joined the 2500 FFPC Dynasty League number two and is trying to transition into more Superflex and Rotovez Triflex leagues so far this, uh, this upcoming wow. summer. Uh, Dynasty leagues are definitely his speed. He has a ton of fun building teams over setting lineups, and three of those teams that he has built have already claimed league titles in his FFPC career. We're welcoming him onto the show tonight to help us sort out all of the players who will be selected this year in FFPC rookie drafts. Tony Kuchar, thanks so much for hopping aboard our NFL Draft preview episode. How are you doing on NFL Draft Eve? Oh, my God, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm so excited to be part of this. Um, you know, I kudos to you guys for the short week and draft, draft weekend upon us and the Kentucky Derby around the corner. Um, you know, Farrell, I expect you to put a real gritty performance out there today. Uh, but I'm, I'm doing great. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm just going to try not to mess things up for you guys today. You guys are on a roll. Well, I don't th- think that's so possible much. for you to mess anything up. Yeah, yeah, it's that's not. Quite <laughs> that's quite a compliment. <laughs> Tony, does Balky have the pronunciation of your name right? Yeah, it's Tony Kucher. Uh I think yeah, I need I to grew win up a in the, couple I, more. I grew up in the clothing business, so you for, will forever be referred to as Tony Couture to me. But, um, you know, I really... Uh, I, I'm really digging your resume. I, I've seen some people that are dedicated to fantasy football, but you are truly passionate about this dynasty experience. And I'm getting my first go around with dynasty here. So you just heard uh, Balky and I talking about Javante Williams, uh, you know, perhaps a compare and contrast to Harris or Etienne. But, you know, who do you like? Because obviously you know how to build a fantasy a fantasy team, and I'm going on my maiden fantasy voyage, so how high should I be taking these guys? Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think you can really go wrong with any of the three guys, but for me, I think I'm going to stick to Harrison ETN, and, you know, it's only because I, I don't really want to overthink things here, you know. Um, those guys have been hot Debbie guys for a long time, and – um, I think I think both of those guys, if they came out last year, would have been right in the mix with those five, you know, top rookies that came out. And all five of those guys proved to be pretty quality assets. Um, and so, you know, Williams is kind of coming out of nowhere. I mean, he had a pretty successful season in 2019, but he wasn't somebody that was highly sought after, um, you know, in Debbie leagues. And so, you know, I don't know. I struggle – you know, watching him and seeing his stats and seeing Michael Carter's stats over the past two years, and I don't know that I see much of a difference. So, I mean, that's one of the right. things I think the the NFL teams might show us over the weekend, but I don't know if I think there's a, a gigantic difference between those two guys. And they're both pretty good, but I don't know if I want to if I want to shy away from the two guys that have been guys that people have wanted for for a long time now. Hey, uh, Tony, I agree real quick. With you. I, 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 I got to ask you, I, I want to talk to you about Kadarius Tony here in, in a little bit. Before we do that, um, when you are not buying matching Philadelphia Eagles Carson Wentz jerseys for you and your daughter, can you tell us what you're doing for a living? Uh, yeah, so I'm a physics teacher at a high school in Western Mass. Um, and oh, I'm nice. also a head football coach, girls basketball coach. Yeah, so um, Charlie Cassidy uh, went to Springfield College and coached uh, one of the teams yep. in our football league. So, um, yep, that, that area there. Um, and yeah, I've been doing that for 15 years now. It's a it's a football rich uh, area of the country uh, that that um, that Tony comes from, and another football rich area of the country for college football at least was where another Tony came from, and that's Kadarius Tony. He's actually been sneaking into the first round of of a lot of NFL mock drafts out there. And, and Tony, I got to ask you if you're drafting a dynasty, if you were drafting a dynasty startup right now. 
how many of these rookie receivers, not knowing where they're going to land, how many of them would you select uh, in front of Kadarius Toney? I'm assuming the, the, the two Alabama guys, Jamar Chase, but then what about after that? Yeah, so, I mean, I think Chase is, is obviously number one. Um, and then I have, I have a group of four, I think, where I would go above him. I mean, it's kind of in a different, different tier for me. I have both Bama guys, Bateman and then Elijah Moore, um, as guys that I think are just safer to me. Um, you know, Tony's such a wild card. I, I think, you know, watching his tape is incredible. Um, you know, sometimes he's got the ball in his hand. It looks like it's impossible to tackle him. Um, and, and, you know, when he's one-on-one in the slot, like, he really wins almost every time. Um, but, you know, some of the concerns, I think, I mean, he, he's got the injury stuff. He's got the character stuff. Um, you know, and, and then some of those routes one-on-one, it looks like he's kind of just doing his own thing out there, you know, and playing like he's out in the street. And I just, I, and he kind of has to land in the right spot. I mean, I, I think his talent is crazy. Um, you know, I don't, you know, the talk about him going in the first round, I, I, I kind of, where, where it stands out to me is if he falls to the early second and goes to like Carolina at 39 and, you know, fills that Curtis Samuel role that, I mean, man, he would, he would be electric in that. I mean, and they already know what to do with it, you know? So I don't know. I mean, he's not my type of player because, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of avoid players that are risky like he is, but man, he, I don't know what to say about him. He could he could go either way for me. My prediction is that uh, Kadarius doesn't doesn't get past uh, the Chiefs if he lasts that long. But, Ooh, uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh-huh. I, I like that. Uh, I like that matchup that you're talking about too. Um, Balky lets me ask the uh, the questions about all the Canadians. You know, because it gives me a chance <laughs> to say that. Chuba Hubbard grew up only 800 miles from Chase Claypool, my favorite Canadian player. And Chuba <laughs> Hubbard looks to be um, a player that last year he was all the talk. But when he decided to come back to school this year, there began to be some questions. He's explosive. He's compact. Uh, but I have some questions. And, and I've, one of the things that – his limited touches at OSU, and he didn't have a Michael Carter in the back backfield with him. And if he gets on a team, I don't think he's blocking anybody. I don't think he's much of a pass protector. Um, is this a player uh, that – let's see, I've got a number here. It says 14 rookies in front of Hubbard. Is this a player that is falling at about the right place, or am I missing it? Should he go higher? What's your view on Hubbard? Well, first of all, I mean, I got a comment on the Canadian thing. Uh, I don't know what kind of marketing you guys are doing with the FFPC, but I'm starting to realize that more than half the guys in my leagues are up in Canada. And so Claypool, you, Good guys. you can't get Claypool from anybody, number one. So no. I feel like no. if I no, can get sure. Hubbard on my team, he's going to be worth a yeah. fortune because, yeah. you know, sure. Canadians are proud, you know. Um, but so, yeah, I, I don't – I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of teams that really don't seem to care in the NFL about pass protection. So um, that's mm-hmm. not really a, a huge concern to me right now. Um, I do think he's kind of undervalued here. I mean, I think we can make a lot of excuses for what happened in 2020 for him. You know, I mean, he had a, he had a, he had an incredible 2019. Um, and then, I mean, he led the league or he led the nation in carries that year. And so, if that happens in the NFL, we would all be saying that, you know, the next year that guy is going to regress because you can't take on that workload. Um, and so, he, you know, he did that in college, and, and, you know, everybody's all over him now. I mean, there's other things that happened in the season, too. I mean, he had the ankle injury. Um, it seems like they were playing different quarterbacks throughout the year, so the offense wasn't in sync. Um, you know, he had the issues with, yes. with Mike, Gun- Mike Gundy. I mean, there, you could point to a number of reasons why he didn't have as strong of a season. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he's somebody that if he lands anywhere near the right spot, I mean, he's going to be, you know, I think maybe even top 10 in rookie drafts, top eight, because we know how desperate people get for running backs. So he's somebody with a name, with a name buzz too, that if he goes anywhere near playing time right away, I think he's going right. to rise right up. He showed up on Pro Day and ran a 4-3-6, and that'll get people's attention. 
you know, at Absolutely. that size. And I, and, and I, uh, one of the things that, that when you look at film about a player, you never necessarily want to look at him playing Kansas State. A scout once told me, don't send me any more of your guys playing against Kansas State. But, you know, he, he's, <laughs> He he plays. He's a, he's a great cutback runner, and he looks very very smart to me when he runs downfield. He'll wait for blockers. He looks like a he looks like a thinking man's ball player, and maybe I should. Man, I've got to make a decision on this player, and I think I'm leaning your way. And I've got that four three six written down and circled next to his name. So that's a good number. Well, I mean, if he falls. If he falls late in the draft, I mean, what if what if the 49ers pick him up, you know, on day three? If he keeps falling, I mean, that's the spot outside zone team with the blazing speed. I mean, that could be very dangerous. It's one of those it things could. too. It's like you know, we, we we talk about landing spots, and if if he ends up being drafted in like the mid to late second, especially if it's a late second, so it's a good team, he's probably going to be the focus or or a primary contributor in that team's backfield. And all of a sudden, we're talking about Hubbard being a potential big-time contributor right away his first couple of years in the NFL. So things that's what we love the NFL draft because we talk about this for months and things could flip on a dime uh, coming up in 24 hours here, or in, in Hubbard's case, probably more likely 48 hours or so. But that time will tell on that. We're talking with Tony Kuchar, a three-time FFPC high-stakes dynasty league winner here on the high-stakes fantasy football or NFL draft preview episode. And uh, we obviously, you know this, Tony, we're contractually obligated to talk about tight ends on this show, so I'm going to do it right now. Um, we've been talking nothing but Kyle Pitts the last month or two. Let's shift off that. Brevin Jordan from the U is currently the third rookie tight end going in Dynasty startups behind Pitts and Pat Fryermuth. Now, he may not even get Jordan, may not even get uh, drafted until Saturday of the NFL draft. Are he and the rest of the rookie tight ends not even on your dynasty startup radar, uh, assuming Pitts and Fryermuth are the only ones that you're interested in drafting in your rookie drafts this year? Yeah. I mean, I hate to do this on the rookie preview and the big NFL draft type show, but I, I don't know if I would even be looking at Fryermuth, um, you know, in these startups because, I mean, it's tough, you know. We all know how important these tight ends are in the FFPC, but – Man, I've had some trouble with tight ends over the past years. Um, you know, when I started in 2014, I actually reached for Julius Thomas, um, you know, in like the 10th or 11th round in the year before he broke out, which obviously I fell in love right away with tight ends. Um, but it was my first dynasty, dynasty experience. And I also, uh, I cut Zach Ertz after week two, uh, his rookie uh-huh, season uh-huh, on the same uh-huh. team. You know, I had my tight end situation and all set up. I didn't really understand Dynasty well enough. Um, and, you know, so since then I've been chasing and I've been working so hard to try to, you know, stop chasing tight ends. So, um, you know, I had guys like Darius Green early and I, I just got Njoku off my rosters now. Um, so, you know, in FFBC, I've kind of come to the conclusion that, you know, tight end, you either got to go get the guys right away, the top ones, or, you know, wait let the rookies run their course. None of them are really going to become too valuable. Um, so, you know, looking at startup right now, I think, you know, as opposed to Friar Moose, I'd probably take like Komet or Troutman in that same range that have the year under their belt. Um, or even better, I mean, if you go down to the Brevin Jordan range, I'd rather have like Ferks or O.J. Howard or Gerald Everett, guys like that, that, what about Don, what, um, let me interrupt you, know, you Tony? What about uh, Tony? What about Donald Parham? Would he fall in that uh, category for you as well? Yeah, he's another great one too because you know I'm not really sold on Jared Cook. I think he might just be like a coach on the field for Parham. Um, you know, just kind of teach him teach him the ropes. So yeah, I think he's another breakout candidate. Where you know the other thing too is you know when you take these high rookie tight ends, then you can't cut them like I did. And that's the last thing I need is to be afraid to cut another one of these rookie tight ends. So if you take a parm and after two weeks you want to get rid of them, it's no big deal. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, I think they're good players, but I'd rather just, you know, try to buy those guys next offseason. I want to get away from fantasy uh, uh, dynasty ball for a minute. I want to talk about a format that I've been busy with all spring. It's, it's kept me company. It's been my – the FFPC slow draft best balls have kept me company all through the spring. Have you played many of them this uh, this spring? Yeah, so I don't do a 
ton of them, but I did a couple. Um, I like to do like one or two a month just to kind of see where guys are going and what's changing to try to get a feel for that. Um, and I did a couple. Um, and you know, one of the things that shocked me was, I, I don't know if you, if you guys think this or if it's just me, but QB runs are just going so much earlier than I would expect. Yes. You know, in these one, one QB basketballs, almost everybody's gone like round 10, 12. Um, so that was crazy to me. Um, I, I don't know. I just wasn't expecting it. And I think in those formats, you want to get three. So I kind of had to reach at some times for some QBs. Um, I will, in a I will situation say this, like that. Yeah. Tony, I'll, I'll just say this. It, it, with some of the Kentucky best ball ones I've done, I always, listen, nobody waits on quarterback longer than I do. This year, I have not been able to do it. I have been scooping up yeah. quarterbacks earlier because they are being – and I don't know why that is necessarily – I don't know if, if it's because we don't have, like, a de facto number one quarterback. I know everybody loves Mahomes, but Lamar Jackson's still going early. We saw the, the, the resurgent Aaron Rodgers last year. He's going early. We saw what Dak Prescott did last year in limited action before he went down. He's still going up there. Russell Wilson is going up there. Um, so I, I, I think that because and, – and maybe I'm just making this up on the fly, but I think because you don't have that uber separation between the top – one or two quarterbacks like we've seen in the last couple of years, and there is more of a, a tier now, perhaps that's causing people to draft quarterbacks earlier. I'm not sure. But I know it is a real thing, and, and you are not alone in having to draft quarterbacks earlier than you had been in, in previous years. Right. And, and it's and, you know, situation. Normally, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, well, normally you can wait on rookies too, right? And the rookies – everybody's so yep. excited about these guys that yeah. they're going right with everybody else. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's really no, no play to make because everybody's gone. You're exactly right. And uh, when it, uh, when it comes to the last few rounds of the draft, you're, you're looking at, you're looking at a bunch of rookies you've never heard of and a lot of guys that are in their thirties. And so it's uh, 26, 27 and 28 of those drafts have been a little rough in those rounds. I actually got lucky earlier today because um, one is finishing up. It's round 27, um, and I have I have Ben Roethlisberger as my third, and I don't really love that. Um, and I ended up snagging Teddy Bridgewater, who I almost took two rounds before because I was so afraid. Good. Um, and, and, I mean, we kind of thought he would end up in Denver. I don't know if that means he's going to get a chance to play, but um, it was nice to scoop him up at the end where, you know, these picks don't really do much normally anyways. Normally I try to get receivers down there. I got a couple of good ones. Um, I don't know if you guys want to talk about those guys, but um, I'm Please. obsessed with yeah. Van, Je- Van Van Jefferson down there, wide receiver 80. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Brian, Brian Edwards, 80, wide receiver 84. I mean, I love those guys. I think um, they both have access to a lot of targets, I think. Um, yes. you know, Van Jefferson, Van Jefferson for sure. I mean, I got him in the 23rd round. Uh, the Rams seemed to like him at the beginning of last year. Uh, and then, you know, he kind of died out in the middle of the season, but then he got going again late and had a really good playoff game uh, against Green Bay. Sorry, Balky. Um, <laughs> but, um, but now Reynolds has gone too, so I think he might have standalone value. I mean, that offense has supported three receivers before. Um, and if Woods or Cup goes down, I mean, he's, he's going to be a wide receiver too. I do too, and I think that's a great choice. Let let me um, throw this back to another rookie. We got a question from the chat room from the uh, the Dizzle, um, who brought up JV and Hawkins. Now, Farrell, I know you probably have a few things to say about him for sure, given where he went to school. But Tony, let me throw it to you here real quick. Your thoughts on JV and Hawkins? Not the biggest guy in the world, like you know, five nine, five ten, one ninety five, somewhere around there. Um, But your thoughts on what he could contribute to a backfield, even as a rookie? Uh, here in 2021. Oh man, I'm going to disappoint Dave. That that crushes me. But I I don't even really know JV and Hawkins yet. He's a little farther down my radar here. Um, I'm actually pretty set on a lot of my teams at at running back right now. So I've I've really kind of been focusing at their wide receivers a little bit more. So um, your expert doesn't really have an expert well, opinion and, on, on Hawkins. No, and, and that's okay because we want you listen this is you don't you don't um learn all these rookies to do a show you learn all these rookies to crush your fantasy leagues which is what you've been doing which we appreciate but what's great about this 
is Farrell is in uh, the, the shadows of Louisville or in Louisville, Kentucky, who probably has more than a thing or two to say about J.B. and Hawkins and his pro prospects. Well, Javian's a very good college player, and I thought he could have used another year of seasoning, and that was my expectation so that he would, would come back to school for another year. And then he made this, the announcement that he was leaving. I initially thought it was the wrong announcement. And then I saw how thin this draft is just in sheer numbers. And I said, no, you know, he, along with Tutu Atwell, these guys needed to leave because they've done just about all they can do uh, here in college. He's a very good player. I don't think he will be a scoring player in fantasy football this year unless the magic of the NFL selection process, which is now known as the draft, smiles on him and rolls out the red carpet to him. And it damn well may happen because he's a player that a lot of scouts like. Uh, and, Tony, I'll, I'll throw this at you, too. Uh, Dave just said in the chat, um, he's projected as a, a late day two or early day three selection. So there's no shame in, in not knowing, you know, everything about this guy, too, because he probably will not be high on a lot of players uh, of rookie draft boards. But I do want to ask you, who are some of the players that are high in uh, on your rookie draft board? Some of your favorite rookies from a talent standpoint in this class that you'd love to acquire on some of your dynasty squads going forward? Yeah. So I already mentioned, you know, one guy that I think I'm, uh, you know, towards the top at least that I'm ahead of everybody else on. And that's Elijah Moore. Um, you know, he's, he's just the kind of guy that seems like he fits the mold of the receivers that I look for. Um, you know, he's not sexy or exciting or, um, you know, he, he doesn't really have anything, I would say, elite. I mean, he's pretty fast, but um, he just seems like a guy that's going to be undervalued. I mean, he reminds me of, like, Tyler Lockett, Jarvis Landry, Robert Woods. Those are guys that I have a ton of. Um, and, I mean, he, he's a great route runner. And and then on top of that, you look at Old Miss. I mean, D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown turned out to be pretty good players. So I got to assume <laughs> that, that, he, that he has at least some of the same technique, and, you know, so – that's something that, that interests me. I really like him. And then to go, you know, to go to a little bit lower on the, on the board at wide receiver that I, I just, I, I feel like nobody's talking about Nico Collins. Um, and, you know, for, for being a small class, I mean, he has size, uh, you know, he contributed pretty early. He got on the field, I think 2018. Um, so, I mean, he, he's not somebody that I think is going to be, you know, an outstanding player, but I think as a flyer, I mean, you probably get him in rookie drafts late second, third, even if he goes kind of early, because I don't, I don't think he's, you know, going to be one of the top guys, but, you know, for, for a guy that can win in the red zone, I think he's just, I'm just surprised how little I've heard about him. Yeah. I have not heard of uh, Nico Collins that much. However, one time I have from a fantasy player, it comes from a guy with a, a similarly uh, successful fantasy uh, resume that you have. Okay. I've been trying to think, you know, who I could throw the collar around. And, you know, we beat up Marshall, or at least at least I did uh, last week a little bit. Are there just some players in this draft, uh, and, and an individual player, not a, a position class, because you, you, you gave us your views on tight ends, but is there just some player that, that you you hear his name and you don't see it, you don't get it, and you're going to keep a far distance away from it. And uh, Tony, from now on, don't worry, I will be sending you the uh, University of Louisville depth chart highlighted with my favorites <laughs> from now on. So we're going to stay in contact with that because we're not going to let you uh, we're not going to let you not know what's going on at the University of Louisville. Uh, and there's good reason there's good reason that perhaps you don't. A couple of years ago, Georgia Tech beat them seventy to three. You know we're on a comeback trail. We're getting there. Farrell, a good buddy of mine just got a coaching job at Kentucky too. Uh, so I don't know if I can join forces with Louisville. I think that's a little taboo, right? Uh, oh boy, it is if you're down here, but in your part of the world, you can root for both of them. But I think we, I think you're turning big blue on us. I think that's how that's going to go, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. They've got some players so, in the pipeline that we'll be drafting in fantasy real soon. Um, so you know, you know, when you when you phrase the question, you said that that you know this guy I might not get it with. I definitely get it with this guy, but I think it's going to be kind of surprising the guy that I say. Um, I'm going to do a super flex turn because I have three 
um, Superflex dynasties. And the guy that I'm really trying to stay away from, I think, is, is Trey Lance. Um, mm. And I think it's the same, same thing as the tight ends. I think he's going to take a year or so, and I just think – I'm a big value guy. That's kind of how I play, and I look at where the value is going to go, and I think I think he's going to be someone that I can get later for cheaper. So, um, you know, obviously landing spot could change that if he, you know, if he does end up going three, which I don't think is going to happen. But um, I just think he's somebody that's not going to get playing time early, and I think you're going to have to take him pretty early in those rookie drafts because he's a running QB and he's got tons of talent. So just not a guy I want to hang on to for a year and a half to wait and see what happens. Uh, Tony, let's say, and we're talking with Tony Kuchar, a three-time FFPC High Stakes Dynasty Fantasy Football League winner here. Um, Ian, I want to get to some emails here. Ian in Santa Maria, California writes, and how's it going, Tony? Over the years in your rookie drafts, have you had better success trading up or trading down? Congrats on your mm-hmm. titles. That is Ian in Santa Maria, California. So interesting uh, call here, too, uh, Tony. How, what has been, what has worked out for you? Has it, has it been going up and getting your guy? Or has it been, and I, I think I know how you're going to answer this based on how you said you're a value guy, or has it been acquiring more picks and trading down? Yeah, so I'm a big trade down guy. That's the running joke. Uh, my co-owner, you know, he, he'll he look like we, we have a league that has the 101 and 103, and he's already asking, are we going to make either one of those picks or what? Like, you know, so um, <laughs> he knows that. I, I, yeah, he pokes me all the time with that stuff. So um, I love to trade down. Um, because I'm a tier guy and I, you know, we have the different teams and I like to kind of try to diversify the guys that I have. I don't, you know, I don't want to have, you know, eight shares of one player on eight teams and then strike out and then I owe, I owe a ton of money. So, um, I've, I've generally tried to trade down, but last year, actually, we were lucky enough to get into the top five, um, you know, from like seven or eight you know, with a future second or something like that um, to try to get one of those running backs. So last, last year we actually were more active trying to trade up, um, and it kind of worked out for us because we actually were, were pretty high on Cam Akers compared to the group um, and ended up ending, getting a lot of him um, by trading up, you know, kind of pre-draft. Um, so, you know, I, I like to kind of just get into the bottom of the tier, whether that's trading up or trading down and just kind of taking who falls to the spot. Tony, one more email I want to get to uh, here tonight before Farrell asks you one final question. Bill in the Bronx. This this sounds like um, a a sitcom. Um, No offense to you, Bill. (laughs) How deep do you think this year's uh, NFL draft class is in comparison to previous years for FFPC Dynasty rookie drafts? Bill, thank you for your email. We certainly appreciate your support from the Bronx. Is this a significantly deeper class, Tony? Is, is Is this a shallow class? In your research of, of the 2021 rookies, um, how has that question been answered for you? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we would be lucky to get a repeat of last year's class. That was amazing. I mean, the running backs all seemed to hit, and, you know, tons of receivers, you know, had great, you know, first season. So I don't think comparing them to them would be, would be you know, fair at all. But I think it's going to have a lot of quality starters um, I think there's a lot of receivers that could hit. I mean, even the risky guys, kind of, kind of that five through seven tier that I was talking about. I mean, Rondale Moore. I know not to talk poorly about Rondale Moore. I've been listening. Um, so Rondale Moore, I think he's kind of risky, but he he could be a good player. I think I think there's a lot of talent, and I think there's plenty of running backs that could be, you know, uh, you know the RB two on a team that can still contribute. So I think. It looks to be like a class that's not going to have a ton of, you know, elite, elite players, but I think it's going to be pretty solid. That being said, my friend, uh, let's go to your existing rosters because we're talking a lot about rookies. Who you, – you mentioned earlier about your, your rosters that you're deep at the running back position. Um, so where are you looking – to acquire players, who is a player you're looking to acquire, and what are you looking to get? What are you willing to give away, and then who might be someone that you just got to get off your roster because you're tired of looking at the guy? Okay, so the I guess the two guys that I've been really trying to get over the past couple of weeks, um, one is Robbie Anderson, and I mean right on point with what you guys said two weeks ago. I think. 
you know, with Curtis Samuel gone and, you know, potentially the upgrade at quarterback and McCaffrey there, I think the offense is just going to be a lot better. So um, he's one guy, but I haven't seen like, – I haven't been able to get him, but I've been trying. And then the other guy I'm trying to get is, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, you know, and, and whether that is just drop down from a running back that's valued above him or just try to get him. And he's another one that I still – I haven't been able to get, but I've been working hard to. Um, I think the Chiefs, you know, he would, he just – everybody just kind of got on him so quickly because he didn't score touchdowns. And uh, But I don't think their line was very good all year. I mean, it came out in the Super Bowl. Everybody said their line wasn't bad. But they had some guards opt out, and the tackles were older. And I think they're committed to running the ball a little bit more. So, um, you know, now, especially with the trade they just made, it's going to be almost impossible to get him. But, man, I still think he should go in the top two rounds and – He's not. So he's someone I'm trying to get. Um, And then as far as the guy I'm trying to sell, again, I'm trying to do these things. So, you know, if people are listening to me, please flood my inbox. Um, (laughs) Justin Herbert Herbert and Superflex, I mean, he's going at at five overall. Um, And, you know, for where we got him last year, like I just want to cash out. I mean, the only position player going before him is Christian McCaffrey. Um, and I just think his situation is going to be so much different this year. Um, last year it was his negative game script all the time. He was throwing the ball everywhere. I mean, he's again, I'm not, he, I think he's going to be pretty good, but people got to remember too, that they just added a defensive minded head coach here. So I don't, I think he's going to take a step back this season, regardless of if he plays well or not. I think it's just going to happen. So I would love to get out of him while he's going that early. One, I, I, I know I said that was the final question. We're going to do one more final question here now for you, Tony. This is a question from the Dizzle once again in the chat room. Um, you were talking about Cam Akers before. He wants to know if his lack of uh, production in the receiving game concerns you. Played in 13 games last year. Did get 145 carries, only 11 catches. Do you think that there is, there's some regression coming where that number is, is due to go up? Uh, but it, or do you think even if it doesn't, um, you know, I guess why doesn't that concern you as, as far as acres? Yeah, I guess I'm kind of hopeful that, you know, that's just the development that they were looking for. I mean, he took a long time to get on the field and maybe they just didn't trust him yet. Um, so maybe some of that, you know, I, I haven't looked, but maybe it's just later in the year. Um, you know, and I, what, Malcolm Brown is gone now, so maybe he just gets on the field in those situations a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that would be definitely a uh, uh, alarming thing in the first month of the season if he's not catching four balls a game because we know that's a part of their offense that they like to do and um you know if you're gonna rely on him to be an rb1 he's got to catch passes we will always rely on tony kuchar to bring nothing but the best dynasty analysis going forward here on this show uh thank you for knocking it out of the park tonight tony Good luck in all of your rookie drafts. Good luck in all of your leagues uh, this upcoming season, man. Cannot thank you for enough, uh, enough for coming on on a Wednesday night and sharing your insight with us. And uh, be good. Enjoy the NFL draft, man, all right? Thank you so much, guys. Such a pleasure. Um, and you guys, Thanks, good luck Tony. this weekend, too. Thank you so much. We definitely will. We can't wait for it. Tony Kuchar, ladies and gentlemen, the three-time FFPC Dynasty High Stakes Fantasy Football League Winner certainly flexed his muscle tonight. Trying to get into more triflexes and superflexes. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of options for him this summer if he wants to hop aboard those. Um, Farrell, so just a couple of uh, a quick takeaways here. One thing that stood out early on when, when we were talking with Tony, we were talking, you asked him about the Chuba Hubbard uh, thing, about um, how he, if he would have come out last year, um, mm-hmm. we would have been talking about him as a high draft pick um, in Dynasty yes. as well. And he, he had the bad season. But I, I think, and, and Tony pointed this out, like there can still be regression to the mean in college, too. We don't talk about it a lot, but that does happen. He had the insanely good 2019 season. Yeah, he probably was going to regress a little bit. And he did have the injuries and, and, and stuff like that, so that contributed to it. But I think sometimes, too, like we, we kind of we forget about that. At least I do. Uh, you know, when, when I see a guy have a bad season – um, I just assume, oh, okay, that, so he's not as good as I thought. Well, that's not always the case. Yeah, Tony might have brought me around a little bit more to Chuba. I've, uh, I've been a bit confused about him. I just don't think he's with this group. There's some other running backs that we might talk about still tonight that, that I might put in front of him. Uh, but he's a very good player. 
and and has put up a number. It's just a real weird year for college football, Bobby. Any way you want yeah. to cut it. So I'm interested to see what these guys can do in the league. You know, I've had the pleasure of going to a favorite restaurant in uh, in Las Vegas, the Il Molino, with the, the great crew from the FFPC. And you go there, and I feel like I would be trying to get up and go in the kitchen and tell them how to make the sauce. But I, <laughs> but with what I what I'm saying, I I think the only thing that I don't the, the only thing that Tony couldn't get me lined up with is, is I think he's wrong about these young tight ends, or maybe he's throwing a smoke screen out there. I like Brevin Jordan. I think this is a player that. Uh, I, I think you can game the system here because based on where he lands, I think they're going to line him up like a slot wide receiver. And uh, I think about him in Baltimore, Arizona, Pittsburgh, and what he could do. He has a nasty streak. He likes to block. He's got some unfinished business because his dad was an NFL draft pick and had an injury and never got to play. And then I'm going to, since we're at the draft, people have been calling me and asking me about sleepers. And here we are uh, on the eve of the draft. I'm going to give you Hunter Long. I might have brought him up earlier. Uh, he doesn't do a lot of the things that Jordan does, but what he does is catch the ball. And he's got a great pair of hands, and it's 1.5 points for every reception for that FFPC tight end. And, and I really like Hunter Long, and no one's no one's much talking about him, so there's my sleeper at that position. But I'm sorry, Tony. You will probably prove me terribly, terribly wrong but I wanted to get those two players in there. You know, Hunter Long is an interesting guy, too, because he's, a, he's kind of been a guy I, I'm guilty of ignoring, too. But, you know, Mel Kuyper, I think, uh, had him going in the second round of one of his more recent mock drafts, too. So, I mean, that, I think mm-hmm. especially at tight end premium, you've got to look at players like that. I had almost 60 catches this past year, almost 700 yards. Uh, you know, I, I think there's some talent there. So good on you, Farrell for bringing up Hunter Long. All right, let's see if we can pound out three emails here before the show ends, because I do want to get to these, given that the NFL draft begins uh, tomorrow night. All right, Jim in Trenton, New Jersey, is going to kick things off. Dear Mel and Todd, obviously landing spots will be huge, but from a talent perspective, do you like Kylan Hill or Jamar Jefferson better as a pro? I have some thoughts on this. I'll just share this real quick. I take it with a grain of salt. Because I think every draft I've done so far this season, at some point, I have drafted Kylan Hill. Uh, I, I think this is a guy who has a really good chance of being drafted in the second round. I think that whoever takes him in the second round is going to utilize him right away. And I don't necessarily think he's just a third down guy. Even though he is a superior pass catcher, I think he can play quite frequently on first and second down as well. I don't necessarily feel the same way about Jamar Jefferson. I haven't drafted him anywhere. Usually when it comes down to those two players in the draft barrel, I'm always going Kylan Hill because I can see the upside with him. I can't necessarily see it all that much with Jefferson. Balky, you've got it right, and I think Jim knows the answer to this too. And I'm going to tell you a secret of scouting college football players. If you are productive in the Southeastern Conference, you can be productive in the NFL. And that doesn't go across the United States. You know, uh, Jefferson comes from uh, uh, Jefferson comes from Oregon State. He's a product of California. Um, I had an old coach once tell me, and this has nothing to do with Jamar Jefferson, but I had an old coach once tell me, Farrell, I'm not saying that all the players from California are soft, but all my soft players are from California. And I, you know, <laughs> Colin Hill is, is, is straight out. Okay, now, Colin Hill is gonna, not going to play in his senior year. And then he decides to come back and play. And then he plays a few games. He comes to Kentucky and catches 15 balls, 15 balls in one game, Balky. He goes down to LSU and sets a receiving yard record for a running back, 158 yards at LSU. Um, He wants to take on defenders, which could be a little bit of a problem for him uh, because the defenders are going to hit back in the NFL. But he's weird because he's an excellent short yardage back who can also catch the ball. So you're absolutely right. A product of uh, Columbus, Mississippi, there in the Golden Triangle of football in eastern Mississippi. This is the kind of player that you want, Kylan Hill. Jamar Jefferson, let's see him do it. I'm rooting for him. He's easily brought down. I don't see him shaking any tackles. Uh, I stayed up late to watch him a little bit in the fall, and, uh, you know, I didn't learn much that – 
got me excited. Uh, he just doesn't look like a. Uh, he just doesn't look like an instinctual player at the positions, and and, and that's what it takes to play in the NFL. Uh, let's move on here and talk about Dwayne Eskridge. We have an email here from, who is it? It is Larry in Houston. What's up, fellas? I haven't heard a lot of Dwayne Eskridge talk from you guys this spring so far. Does that mean you all don't like him as a prospect? Thank you for mm. the email, Larry in Houston. Now, Eskridge is an interesting guy, Farrell, because um, mm-hmm. I, I, as you know, I host this, um, this weekday talk show here in Northeast Wisconsin, and we do a lot of Packers talk on the show. And my uh, co-host, uh, Leo Kuyper Jr., the aptly named Leo Kuyper Jr., he is a big fan of Dwayne Eskridge, would love to see him in a Packers uniform. He doesn't strike me as the type of player, um, at least size-wise, that the Packers would go after, 5'9", 190. I mean, he, he's, he's got a lot of speed, um, and, and certainly um, you've got to believe that once the top-tier guys are off the board, Eskridge won't be far behind. Uh, I just don't know if, if – he is going to be the type of player you can count on for consistent fantasy uh, production. Uh, he doesn't profile as a number one receiver for me. He doesn't strike me as the type of guy that, that's, that's going to have that type of ceiling. So I guess maybe I don't like him all that much, but um, I, I could be persuaded differently. How do you feel about Dwayne Eskridge? I'm going to start persuading you right now because if you were busy visiting uh... – Mr. Hill over in Columbus, Mississippi, you just drive west into the Delta and you can find uh, uh, Mr. Eskridge. And he's 24 years old and he's tiny. This this body is basically through growing. But you don't have to know his 40 time. You don't have to see him run a 40 to know he's a 4-3-5. He plays it on the field. And, you know, leave it for a football nut from Texas to send in this, you know, to send in this email. But you have to watch on <laughs> Tuesday night and Wednesday night, you know, this is a, this is a Mac conference player, and he is a fascinating player. Now, what he's got to do to be successful in the NFL is he's going to have to get into space, and he's going to be challenged when the defense brings, you know, when they come up and they have press coverage. He's going to have some physical issues, but he's a home run threat, and he's a tremendous return specialist. His problem from our perspective and why you shouldn't really be drafting him that much now is he's a utility player that's good for everyone. So everybody figures out a way that they could use him. But, you know, it would be a disaster from a fantasy standpoint if he would go to the Rams. They've got too many players. He'd just be a returner. Uh, same thing with the Saints. If he would go to the Raiders, they can't develop the wide receivers that they have now. But he would be a guy. They would say, oh, gosh, he's fast and he's got moves. Let's bring him in here. But if he were to land somewhere like Carolina, where they just lost Samuel and they've got a coach with the heart and spirit of a teacher, then you've really, really got something. So landing space is probably more important for this player than any player we've talked about tonight. But he is the real deal. If you don't know him, go to YouTube and 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 watch some of the highlights, and you will end up 30 and 45 minutes in watching this player play football. He's a magnificent football player. We've been talking a lot of um, uh, Carolina tonight as far as receivers potentially going there because that hole is open with uh, with Curtis Samuel mm-hmm. now at, uh, in Washington. And Matt Rule, you know, you bring him up too, Farrell. I, I think his offense that he brought to the table last year, I think that would really cater to Dwayne Eskridge's strengths too as well. Final email tonight um, we're going to get to. It is from uh, Rich in West Bloomfield, Michigan. I bet he would have had the mm-hmm. things to say about uh, Dwayne Eskridge. Anyway, Rich writes, assuming he goes in the first round, how high would you take Rashad Bateman in an FFPC rookie draft? Rich in West Bloomfield, Michigan, thank you so much uh, for the email. So Bateman, as it stands right now, I don't think he's going to be the third receiver picked. I think the best case scenario for him is number four, um, but there's other guys that could be picked ahead of him. You know, you talk about the Moors or the Moops, as Dizzle put it uh, so eloquently in the chat room. Mm-hmm. They're in that conversation. Kadarius Tony is in that conversation. Quite frankly, Dwayne Eskridge could be in that conversation as well. Farrell, Rashad Bateman, if he does indeed go in the first round, is this a, a, a top half of the first? Um, I guess it wouldn't be a top half of the first round, but would he be a top mm-hmm. 10 rookie dynasty pick for you? I think so. And, you know, I don't know – I don't. I barely know how to spell dynasty, but I'm going to play in one this year. But I've I got to <laughs> tell you, uh, this player may be the most overlooked player because he's the least one that fantasy drafters are talking about. 
And uh, we were following closely here because we got a kid from Union, Kentucky, playing quarterback at Minnesota, and he's been feeding him the ball. And his player averaged over 20 yards of reception uh, in his junior year. So he can scoot when he makes a reception, and he's bigger than most of these receivers that we've been talking about. And if you don't know about him, you probably need to study up a little bit about him, and I'm guilty of it myself. But the, the problem is is that Minnesota had COVID issues and only played five games this year. And he had, you know, and, and, and he had some good games, but it was a little uneven play. Um, all in all, um, I, I, I like this player. And I'm thinking that he may be the early drafted sleeper, if that makes any sense. He may be the one that um, could really come shining through uh, and, and putting up fantasy numbers that we haven't. You know, let's just say here's a word or an expression for him. He's less celebrated. Less celebrated indeed. Sort of like this podcast, Farrell. We, we, we come and bring our lunch pail. We do, we do yeoman's work here. We are not celebrated, but we do help fantasy owners win, and I attribute a lot of that to you for sure. Uh, reminder, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship uh, is open for signups, not only for the main event, but for the Run to Daylight and the Checkered Flag Championships right now. There is one spot open in the Run to Daylight Championship on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. If you have the means, I highly recommend it. Checkered Flag opens up uh, with their first draft on May 19th. And don't forget about the slow draft masters, the slow dynasties always available there at KFFSC.com. Farrell cannot thank you enough for hopping aboard on a Wednesday night, man. We'll do it again next Friday after the draft. And we'll have a lot more to talk about. Uh, enjoy the draft, man. I, I, uh, I hope to talk to you again real soon. Same here, Balky. Thank you. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, you follow him on Twitter at J Farrell Elliott. You follow the Kentucky fantasy football state championship on Twitter at KFFSC.com. Want to remind you as we bring this show to a close tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that we do have another show coming up next Friday. First of all, thanks to Tony Kuchar. Thanks to Farrell Elliott. Thanks to the FFPC. Thanks to Kevin Williamson, Dave Gerzak, everybody hanging out in the chat room tonight, Rob Rice, and of course, each and every one of you. Now, we will be back on our Friday schedule next week. However, we are on an hour early. Yeah, that's right, 9, 8 Central next Friday for live coverage of the FFPC Genesis, FFPC Revelations, and FFPC Apocalypse 150 Classic Drafts. Those will be popping off Friday night. We're going to get some players calling in, some drafters calling in, talking about which league is better, which team is better, which players are better. It is going to be a bevy of fantasy goodness. Hopefully you can join us one hour earlier next Friday, 9, 8 Central for that. Reminder to register for best ball leagues at, the, at uh, myffpc.com today. And sh- uh, certainly check out the Dynasty Startup. Sign up for those now because those leagues will be filling and drafting uh, as early as Tuesday morning. Football Guys Early Bird is open right now. Draft start there Sunday afternoon. Uh, get your free $35 credit ticket. Crack at a half million dollars already here in May. That's what it's there for. Run to daylight, checkered flag at KFFSC, and save 100 bucks on your FFPC main event right now, all at myffpc.com. Enjoy the draft, everyone. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by myffpc.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Appreciate everybody tuning in on a Wednesday. Hopefully you enjoyed the NFL draft or will be enjoying the NFL draft. Um, I, as it stands right now, I want to thank Frederick the Younger for our outro music. Check out their music, frederickthejounger.com. Speaking of music, for myself, for Tupacker, for Vince Staffolino, as I just recently found out, Allison Chains is indeed warming up. Enjoy the NFL draft, everybody. We'll talk to you an hour early next Friday at 9, 8 central.